0: And I'm here talking to Pulitzer Prize winning musical theater, writer, composer, lyricist, and playwright, and book writer. I never know how to phrase these musical theater terms, but uh,
1: you wrote (laughs) book before
0: right? You didn't write the book, you wrote book.
1: Well, yeah, you can say it either either way. I wrote book. Who I wrote the book for. Either way works.
0: Sounds Russian. Wrote book. He wrote book.
1: He he wrote book for Strange Loop. For
0: Strange Loop.
1: Um, He wrote Strange Loop and helped Donald Trump win election. election. (laughs) Great election. Through
0: Strange Loop, achieve election status. Victory of Donald Trump. Um, Yeah, the show is going to get canceled right now. I know. Terrible. We just got canceled. Hello and welcome to the Katie Halper Show. On today's show, I interview Michael Jackson, who just won a Pulitzer Prize for his musical A Strange Loop. Then I talk to Ava Farkas, who's the executive director of the Met Council on Housing. And Michael and Ava talk to each other, and she offers him some great tips on how to organize for your housing rights. Please rate and review the Katie Halper Show on iTunes. You can also support the show on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. So Michael R. Jackson holds a BFA and MFA in playwriting and musical theater writing from the NYU Tisch School of the Arts. As a songwriter, he has seen his work performed everywhere from Joe's Pub to NAMT. He wrote lyrics and co-wrote book for the musical adaptation of the 2007 horror film Teeth. And uh, awards and associations include a New Professional Theater Festival Award, a Jonathan Larson Grant, a Lincoln Center Emerging Artist Award, an ASCAP Foundation Harold Adamson Award, a Whiting Award, the Helen Merrill Award for Playwriting, and a Dramatist Guild Fellowship. He has commissions from Grove Entertainment and Barbara Whitman Productions and LCT3. Geez, Louise. And, again, has just won a Pulitzer Prize for a distinguished play by an American author, preferably original in its source, and dealing with American life. And can I be vulgar and say the financial prize? (laughs) $15,000. Sure thing. So welcome, Michael.
1: Thank you, Katie. I'm happy to be here.
0: Yeah, thanks for coming back.
1: Yes, of course. I love talking to you.
0: Yay. And, Michael, I mean... I don't want to, I'm not going to say anything, but I always like to think that there is that Katie Halbershow bump that just pushed you, you <laughs> right over the edge for the Peel Committee. Um, where were you when you heard about this?
1: I was in this very bedroom, wow. which is served as a backdrop for many a Zoom meeting, in this very blue bathrobe and in nice. my very blue, uh, uh, imperialist white supremacy, capitalist patriarchy. With strike throughs for each of those words. Bell Hooks t-shirt. Wow. But I've been, I've been yeah. living in one, yeah, one of these problem. or another. This nice my signature. Yeah.
0: Has Bell Hooks? Uh, have has she contacted you yet?
1: No, Bell. I think Bell's a little bit out of my. I'm out of her purview. She's just. Right. She's in. She's in Kentucky at the Bell Hooks Institute. Last I heard.
0: Well, you got to do a uh, presentation of a strange loop there.
1: Yeah, or maybe, like, you know, on the other side of this, there can be a production and somehow we can get her to come to New York to come and see it and and then, like, eviscerate it. I always love watching Belle eviscerate things.
0: I'm sure she would (laughs) love it. Although, you know, she could say she enjoyed it and still eviscerate it. Like, doesn't she call Beyonce
1: a terrorist? terrorist. But she also
0: dances to her?
1: I know, but that's like when I fell in love with her because she, she, because she can talk about a cultural figure and still enjoy their cultural life. So I would love for her to come and like enjoy the show and then tell me all the things that disturbs her about it. Right.
0: Got it. So that would be, in fact, if she didn't tell you disturbing things, you'd feel like you would fail. Oh my
1: God. Fail. That's right. Yeah.
0: Okay. So we'll make it happen. Yeah. Um, tell us about this musical and, and, and were you surprised by the way, when you heard about it, you would, I guess, I don't know the process, but you would know when you were nominated. Is that how it works?
1: No, it's a little bit different. The only thing that I knew was that it had been submitted for consideration, which a lot of shows are, and like, sometimes there are years when they don't award it to anyone for certain categories, I think. Um, and so I like... I was aware that the announcements were gonna be happening, but I just had assumed that I wouldn't get it. Cause I just was like, there's no way. Because also in my mind, like I don't even, I like, I, it's something like, I just felt like a Pulitzer is something for like a later career, you know, writer who's very established or something. Like I don't, you know, I, I had no, I, I, and I don't know what their criteria really is. Right. Like you, the thing you just read like, I actually have to now, it's so crazy that I now have to, like, go on the Pulitzer website and actually, like, learn about it. Right. Like, I knew what it was, but, like, I don't know, like, the, the deep history of it. And, right. like, so it's, like, the whole, this whole experience has been, like, very stunning and exciting and shocking. And I, like, now want to, like, I feel like I need to become, like, an expert in the in the Pulitzer Prize. Like, all, like, every, I need to, like, memorize it.
0: Yeah, we should do an episode where we go over the history of the Pulitzer with you. Yes. Yeah. So tell us about your musical, uh, Strange Loop, which was great. And I saw it live at Playwrights Horizons over the summer.
1: Uh, in association with Page 73. They okay. were, they were co- our co-producer on the piece.
0: Yeah, and it was really good. And I sat next to the actor from Modern Family.
1: Oh, yeah, Jesse Tyler Ferguson.
0: Yes, he really liked it. Everyone loved it. It was really amazing. I
1: was the same day that Anna Wintour was there. She was at that performance.
0: Oh, really? And I didn't even and, know.
1: And she's, like, hidden behind her giant sunglasses.
0: Right. I probably couldn't see her <laughs> hidden behind the sunglasses. And she's a slight lady, so a slight woman. Yeah,
1: yes.
0: And, but more importantly, your parents were there.
1: Oh, yes, that's right. They were at that performance. Yeah. yeah. And they. And they loved it. Like yeah. they totally loved it. It was like a very beautiful moment.
0: Yeah. And I got video of it, which I sent you, right? You have that? Yes.
1: I think you did, but like it's lost somewhere on my phone. Like right, it's we'll like probably it in a, a dropbox link somewhere that I like can't find.
0: Right. You're like you sound like me. <laughs> so tell us about what this musical is about, as the as the person who created it.
1: Yeah. So a strange loop is a uh, It's a musical that I call it self-referential as opposed to autobiographical, Um, but it's a musical about uh, a black man who works as an usher at a Broadway show while working on a musical that's about a black man who works as an usher at a Broadway show while working at, like, it continues in on itself, um, an infinite sort of egress.
2: I just, I just long for the days when musicals were quieter and more centered around the lives and concerns of civilized property-owning adults. <laughs> I am a Disney usher. I'm barely scraping by. My discontentment comes in many shapes and sizes. When I wake up each morning, I tell myself to try. I tell myself that I will make no compromises you write musicals? Yeah. Awesome. Have you seen Hamilton? (laughs) We want to know what's going on in New York.
1: Excuse me. It's your daily self-loathing. I have some time to kill. I thought I'd stop by to remind you just how truly worthless you are. Because after
2: what me and your dad went through to send your black booty to NYU. It appears you'd be just riding around without any direction. Snagging a man is like finding affordable housing in this town. There's a long wait list and the landlords discriminate, okay? It's time I try to chart my course while horses throw me off my course. I don't think you're being totally stupid. I do think you might be overcomplicating. The same old story. Learn after glory.
1: I'm not going to stop asking until I get an answer, son.
2: And I fall short. I want you to like my writing. My music. This show. Blackness, queerness, fighting back to fill this cis and all white space. With a portrait of a portrait of a portrait.
1: like them apples <laughs> I call it self-referential because I drew from personal experience to write it but it's not straight autobiography like I not I didn't like go when I was six this happened and then when I was 12 it's like a little bit it's like much more nuanced than that um, and it's just a, about sort of a, a black gay man sort of sort of coming to terms of who he is and examining the prism of self in general but black queer selfhood in particular
0: i realize we're talking about what this musical is about and uh and how it is based on your stories but it's not totally autobiographical but it's self-referential and of course the role of memory is important have you like that segue really nice thank you we're gonna hear this song um called memory song it's a cast
1: album yes yeah, so that That was Larry Owens and the cast of Strings Move.
0: Great. Okay. So let's take it away.
2: Five foot four, high school gym, sneak in a cupcake. These are my memories, these are my memories. Shooting hoops off the rim, slow on the uptake. These are my memories, these are my memories. After gym, the locker room, my eyes photographing They give me measures in at four and a half inches These are my memories, these are my memories Of one lone black gay boy I knew who chose to turn his back on the Lord One lone black gay boy I knew who chose to turn his back on the Lord These are my memories, these are my memories, eat his body, drink his blood, communion buffet. These are my memories, sweet sour memories, after church we're driving home to radio crackle, jazz, mills acro, blues, and skin is a shackle. But one lone black gay boy I knew who chose to turn his back on the Lord. One lone black gay boy I knew who chose to turn his back on the
0: Lord was Memory Song, uh, the cast album version of that. And I'm here talking to Pulitzer Prize, among other prize-winning musical theater writer, composer, lyricist, and playwright, and book writer. I never know how to pronounce, I mean, how to phrase these musical theater terms. But uh,
1: (laughs) you wrote book four, right?
0: You didn't write the book, you wrote book
1: Mm Well, yeah, you can say it Mm -hmm. it either either way way, I wrote book or I wrote the book for Either way works
0: Sounds Russian, wrote book He wrote book
1: He he wrote book for Strange
0: Loop Strange Loop
1: his, um, the strange loop, then helped Donald Trump win election. Great election,
0: great election. Through strange loop, achieve election status. Victory of Donald Trump. Um, yeah, the show is going to get canceled right now. I know. Terrible. We just got canceled. Um, and he's talking to us about this beautiful musical, and that song is really beautiful. And. Uh, what are you working on now? I mean, that song was, that musical is very political and personal. And, you know, I know that politics is something that is very personal to you and you care about a lot. So what are you thinking, feeling, doing right now in those realms creatively and also what's like on your mind today politically?
1: Um, I mean, a whole lot I have to say. I mean, in terms of just like what I'm working on is I, my next show that I've been developing with um, the Vineyard Theater Theater in New York City is a musical called White Girl in Danger. Nice. Um, which is a, a kind of, it's in some ways, it's a little bit of an analog to a strange loop, kind of, in that it's about, it's it's, a, it's a, a, a musical, a sort of satirical dark comedy musical set in the world of lifetime original movies from like the 90s, like in the sort of universe of that, sort of broadly, uh, and and soap operas more generally and because i grew up on soap operas and so i, I wrote this musical set in uh, that universe um in a town called all white and in the town of all white um there are people known as they're the all white who are white people who have these like amazing melodramatic stories that sort of are like their whole world and then there are characters known as the black rounds who are just black characters who are like basically extras that support the all-white stories. And then one of the black round is a girl named Keisha who decides that she has what it takes to um, be the protagonist in an all-white story. And so she's the writer of the universe to make her be the protagonist, which she slowly does. And so she ends up having to sort of usurp the identities of her three main rivals, Megan, Megan, and Megan. Right. So three, three variations on a Megan. Are they spelled um, the
0: same way or different ways? No,
1: they're all spelled totally differently in tweely. Like they're each tweely. Like one is M A E G A N, one is M E A G A N, and then one is M E G A N. Got it. Um, um, anyway, so and then sort of chaos ensues as this black girl becomes the center of an all white narrative. Um, and so I'm working on that. Um, and then in terms of like what I'm thinking about politically, well, obviously. I'm thinking about COVID-19 and about the, the first responders and about the people who are sick, people who are dying, the people who have died. I'm thinking about how this virus has really exposed all of the existing inequities that exist across the globe. I've been sort of talking to people and saying that it feels like, it's almost like we, you walk into the kitchen late at night and you turn on the lights, and then all the, you see all the roaches uh-huh. in the kitchen. But in this case, the roaches don't run away. Right. They just stare and look at you like they've been there the whole time. All the sort of inequality and the like, the racism and the classism and the dis, the ableism and 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 the, you name it. Right. Um, and all been exposed. And I'm just thinking about how this and how that sort of comes hot on the heels of you know Bernie Sanders essentially losing. The Democratic primary and like championing Medicare for all, and then suddenly we're in a moment when like all these people are out of work, they've all lost their they're losing lost or are losing their health care, and and now like all these things that sort of a lot of progressives and leftists and socialists have been sort of screaming and screaming and screaming and screaming about. Suddenly it's now like those issues are like like materially like what's in the air and like what you know we need to really be figuring out how to address and how to how do we move forward you know if, if we're not taking care of our citizens in, in this country and across the globe right. so that's you know and meanwhile there's like an election coming up and like cuomo's tried and the board of elections tried to take Bernie Sanders off the ballot and like why like it's just all right. like all of it, like in Biden and Tara Reid and Trump is crazy. And like, just, I'm thinking about all, all of it. But again, just the roaches. all the roaches are just staring back. They're not returning to hide what the lights are on. That's how I feel about this moment politically.
0: And is that, I mean, that seems like you could, that describes both kind of the effect of Trumpism and then COVID on another level. It's like, there's a double, they're like two turning on lights or two unmaskings.
1: I mean, I think it's actually more than that. I mean, I just think that all of these issues have been on the table for decades. Right. So, like, and it's just, and now it's like, now we're being, like I was talking to another friend who said that she feels like the unit, it's almost like the universe is putting us to a test. hmm And it's saying, this is just the preamble. Right. You fail this test, then like the next test, then I'm really gonna like mess you up. Right um and so you know like we have a choice right now to like learn a like a a lesson and like to change course in a major way um because like also like just looking at all these front line workers and a a quote-unquote essential workers like these are the worker bees and the workhorses that like the the wealthy are riding on and depending on, and like, if they're all getting sick and dying or whatever, they can't actually do work for you. Right. So even if you like, don't think that, that like people should have like equal pay or whatever, or like commensurate with like what they need to live. Like if they act, literally start dying, you can't get back to work. Right. You don't even know, you don't know how to pick your own food or kill your own chickens right. or all the, the gross things that we don't like to think about. That power our lives. Yeah, you know, so I think it's like a very powerful lesson can be learned right now, and I'm hope I'm hopeful that like the direness of the situation will trickle up right. to, to people who are like moving the gears and levers of our world to be like, oh, we actually if we actually have to take care of our people, like we yeah. actually have to do it.
0: Yeah, it's you know, interesting.
1: Real your way around a virus that you can't see.
0: Yeah. It's really interesting because I've, I was actually just talking about this with my co-host, Matt Taibbi, on my other podcast, uh, Useful Idiots, my the Rolling Stone one I do. And we had a virologist on, and we were talking about how like things like there's viruses, there's disease, there's... um. Climate disasters and those things are both like universal, but also very much fit into whatever inequities and inequalities already exists. So with COVID-19, for instance, the black community in you know, percentage wise is much more hit by this than the white community um, than white people. I don't even know. No, that sounds weird. I don't know what the white community is anyway. um, (laughs) But But you know, and there's environmental racism and, you know, look at New Orleans and if you are poor, if you are black, if you're brown. Detroit,
1: I'm from, I'm from Detroit and like- Detroit, yes. Hit Detroit quite hard.
0: Yep, Flint in Michigan, right? With the water, all those things. So you can't separate them, but at the same time, they are things that are somewhat universal. Like in the example you just gave, Michael, like you may not care about essential workers, uh, living wage, you may not care about their like well-being, but- It's actually, even if you're just a terrible, ruthless, self-interested person, it's in your own self-interest to support these people because they're the ones saving you or feeding you or whatever. So I do think, I I agree, there's something kind of biblical and this great reckoning moment where, um, you know, like Job from the Bible, right? Like he's tested. That's a little different because the message there is to have faith. And we'd actually, we need the opposite. (laughs) We need people to like wake up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's like, it's funny. Like it's, I, I like was fighting with my landlord because I'm not paying my rent right, right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. And I like basically, and I basically said to him, because there were like issues in my building that were pre-existing before this pandemic pre-existing that are condition. now like, exactly. And I was just like, and I was like, I know it's not your fault, but it is right. now your problem. Mm. And I think that that's for me is like a global thing. Right. right. Although, and globally, it is actually their fault. But like, right. but like the issue, my, But my point is just that like our fates are quite interconnected. Yeah, that's why like that Moody parasite was so great. Oh yes, great like, movie. Like it's like their fates are just interconnected. You can't, you can't like we. They haven't figured out AI yet. Right. They haven't figured out the robots yet. So until they figure out the robots that can just do everything, that like, you know. like uh, low-paid undocumented workers can do or like black nurses or whomever like until they can figure that out and how to automate all of it our fates are completely interconnected
0: yeah and it's also interesting because one of the things that you talk about in uh or or a strange loop deals with is hiv and aids Mm -hmm. um and so the role of you know health issues, stigma, obviously with the COVID, there isn't nec- there isn't the same stigma, right? Because uh, what was HIV called before, GRID, gay-related? Gay
1: gay. Oh yeah, like gay-related. Immunodeficiency? immunodeficiency. Yeah. yeah. I think so, yeah. Grid, um, yeah. And, gay, so, and people called it like gay cancer.
0: Yeah. Has this made you think about that more or in a different way? Has it, I mean, because oh, I can't God. remember, like this is unprecedented for for, I think, all living people, right? I don't think anyone who's alive now has lived through something like this.
1: Well, I think there are some, like, very old people who might have lived through the Spanish flu okay. as, like, children.
0: Yeah.
1: But that is, like, different in some ways yeah. from this. Um, but, like, and it's funny because I've actually been listening to some HIV scholars who some of them caution against drawing too much of a parallel, and some people don't. I guess, like, for me, like, I guess, like, for me, the difference is that it, the, this virus is, like, much more communicable than HIV, and, like, and, and there, and for that reason, there's actually less institutional stigmatization of it, it seems. Yeah. Though it is disproportionately ap- affecting some communities and others. But at the same time, I can see how like psychologically you could make the comparison because it's like I talk to people who have gotten COVID and they they like felt like they had done something wrong mm. or like they had somehow failed. And like and, and I think that, that psychologically can do that to you. Um, and we're all like walking around six feet away from each other and with our masks and worried about droplets and, and and did, is it on my banana that I picked up at the whole foods or whatever, Where would you shop. And like, like all those things I think create this weird, you know, paranoia that might, you know, feel somewhat like what people felt during HIV before they really knew how it was spread, how to protect against it. Um, but so i don't know so i, yeah. I guess i feel I'm, I'm not total. i'm not as one way or the sure. other about it as some people are
0: yeah i mean it's neither and both right i mean there's so many differences and and in terms of stigma like this is like we said this hits certain populations harder but it's not a disease that started um in one community
1: Right. So there are those who are trying to scapegoat like asians, asians. right exactly uh, right and like And it was funny, like, even somebody pointed out on, like, Instagram, like, I kind of as a joke that, like, they were kind of skeptical even of, like, you heard about the murder hornets? Yeah. Like, they're Asian. Right. Quote, Asian murder hornets. And, like, even, like, naming it, calling it that feels like a weird, almost like a a, a subliminal message. Right. We gotta get some,
0: like, European hornets. Wasp. Oh, my God. Wasps. We need a wasp. Wasp. Waspy wasps. <laughs> right. We need to show some terrible wasps doing something. Wasp you know, wasp on wasp violence is a real problem, Michael. It,
1: it is, it is. And you know, and I think that they're just fatherless yes. fatherless wasps. I yep. don't know. Broken
0: wasps wasp terrible. Wasp nests.
1: Broken wasp nests. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's real. It's a real thing. Um, they have to pull themselves up by their wings, by their right. <laughs> wing straps. Yeah. Right. Um, we're going to play the rest of that beautiful song called Memory Song Um, and then we'll come back and Michael if you want to hang out with us you can or if you want to make your departure and come back another time we'd love to have you another time but we're going to bring on Ava Farkas who is working on housing so either on the show or offline you guys should conspire about what you can do about your landlord if you want
1: oh yeah I I think I kind of have it under control but it's just I needed to take a stand
0: right well, she can still give you some tips if you want. You got, We can do a mock-up okay. a mock up or mocking of it,
1: role-play. Okay. Sure, um, sure, sure, sure.
0: Okay, so let's hear the uh, rest of that song, memory song, and then we will talk to you. Uh We'll be here with Ava Farkas in a few minutes.
2: Dad is on the couch while Mom eats a pork chop. Daily bread mill, daily treadmill won't ever stop. One lone black day boy I knew who chose to turn his back on the Lord. One lone black gay boy I knew who chose to turn his back on the Lord I am lying on the couch, I dream that I'm flying Flapping both my wings so hard to keep me from dying With the crown of God-forsaken thorns on my head Like all those black gay boys I knew who chose to go on back to the Lord
0: And that was uh, Memory Song by Michael Jackson, written by Michael Jackson um, from the cast album of A Strange Loop. Uh, Michael Jackson, again, is a Pulitzer Prize winning musical theater composer, writer. He has been on the show before and he graced us with his presence once again, even though he's now a Pulitzer Prize winner. He remembers his roots, (laughs) his roots, his year year old roots when he uh came on the katie Alper show and michael's uh about to you know do his thing he's probably going to get off this uh show and i don't know there's going to be a limo waiting for him with a martini in it and to take him around the block um i was going to say to see a show but then i remember we're living in a covid world and we're going to be joined by Ava Farkas, the executive uh, director of Met Council on Housing. Ava and Michael, I want to introduce you guys to each other because Michael just brought up a, a housing thing. Um, oh yeah. And oh, uh, Ava, you can give him some more tips. But he told his his landlord this. What you want to tell her what you said?
1: Yeah. So. Can I just explain the situation or is there not time to? All right. So basically what happened is a year ago, while my show was running at playwrights horizons, Con Addison told my building to turn the gas off because I guess there was issues with the pipes or something. And they had to replace all the pipes in the whole building. So then they turned the gas off and then the building like had to hire a plumber and do all the stuff. So, and that, all that whole process of them coming in our apartments and ripping the walls up and all these things like and and then finally they got toward the end of the process where they got the pipes replaced but then they had to get all these inspections and then right when they were about to get all the inspections that's when the pandemic hit in the meanwhile all we were working with was a hot plate and i stamped my feet and they gave me a convection oven so then when the And I like let it go during the year because I was so busy with the show and other things that I was eating out like all the time anyway. But then once the pandemic hit, I'm like now me and my roommates like have to deal with this um, hot plate all the time. And finally I was just kind of like, what's gonna happen? Are they gonna do the inspections? Are they gonna turn the gas back on? It's just so hard to like, make full me- meals on this. And so I find, So I didn't pay rent last month and then I hadn't paid it for this month. And I wrote my landlord a letter saying, listen, I am prepared to pay the rent, but like I need to know what's happening with this. With, like this can't go on forever and ever. This is not a safe situation. Yeah, mm-hmm. And he tried to tried to like guilt me and be like, we've gone above and beyond and blah, blah, blah. And like one of mine, a friend of mine died of COVID. Like just through all this, wow. everything. And like, so, and this is build, the building manager, not the landlord directly. And so I just okay. said, you know, I said, so then they were like, well, they said that they're going to have inspectors come tomorrow, which is today, which they did. And they said, they're going to come back. Con Edison said, they're going to come back on the 14th to, to turn on the gas allegedly. And I just said, well, let's revisit this conversation uh-huh. once that's happened because if they don't show up and this keeps going on, I'm
3: yeah. holding on can to I, my rent. Can I, can I Sorry, interrupt I you? Just just to... No, no, I asked you. <laughs> oh, no, it's okay. I love hearing. I love, I love tenant questions, tenants rights questions. Um, so I have just one question for you. So do you know if you're in a rent stabilized apartment?
1: Yes, I am.
3: Okay, that's great. So um, not having gas is like a violation of the warranty of habitability. So that's a service you're paying for that you're not getting. It sounds like you haven't had it for about a year.
1: Right. Does it matter, though, that I I have hot water, but I don't have a
3: working stove? Right. So not having a working stove, is that's a service you're paying for. And you shouldn't have to pay your full rent for all that time. You're entitled basically to like an abatement. For which that,
1: time I, that which is
3: what I asked for, and you that. haven't had that. You haven't had full services, so there's like a number of things you can do. You can withhold rent, um, and and um, you can withhold rent. Your landlord could take you to housing court, and then you can appeal to a judge and have a judge sort of sort out how much of an abatement you should you can get. You can also fill out a administrative form with the state agency, which deals with all rent regulated apartments. Um, So you can file for a reduction in rent for decreased services with homes and community renewal. And it's always really good. Whenever anybody has a problem like this, gas is an issue that can take a year or more to get turned back on because of all the because there was, like, the explosions in buildings, and so, like, there's many layers of, like, bureaucracy to getting the gas turned back on. So it's really important to report it as quickly as possible and to file for a rent reduction at the beginning, because the state will only give you the abatement back to when you filed. It's really messed up. So it sounds like what you're doing now, though, is, like, a good approach, because you can... And you can also negotiate. But the best thing is for you to talk to your neighbors. Mm. So this is where organizing comes in because right, you guys that. can negotiate a better deal if all together you're withholding rent or you're all demanding and putting pressure on your landlord together because so right. you're all affected by not having gas Safety so i would numbers, say talk to your neighbors numbers. and try to make a demand together collectively on your landlord and take some type of collective action
1: yeah that's a good idea
0: there there you go right there all <laughs> socialism you. in action
3: You're welcome. And you guys are not. And also there there is currently a statewide rent strike going on. Yeah. And so people are both being hit by the like economic issues of covid-19 and many people already have existing issues in their building. And so people are, you know, already can't pay, already having problems paying the rent. And then if you're in a situation like yours where like you've already been paying rent for services you're not getting, you have the right to withhold rent and to demand those services along with right. your neighbors. And right. there's a whole movement happening across the state and now across this country that you guys can also plug into.
1: Right.
0: Look at that. And Michael, what did you say? It says it's not your <laughs> it's not your it's fault. It's
1: not your fault. It's your it's now it's your problem. Mm
0: not he said that to the you said that to the
1: building building manager i said i know this is not your fault but now it's your problem
3: boom yeah and it's i mean you're paying for a service you're not getting yeah so you shouldn't have to do that
0: yeah
1: agreed
0: wow i feel like we all learned a lot just now
1: (laughs) yes thank you for that i appreciate it and thank you for the work you're
0: welcome yeah um and uh, michael is are you going to go take your limo ride now
1: yeah, I'm gonna go take my limo ride to find something to eat because okay. I like had been checking my messages about the the all day and like I hadn't eaten anything. Is there a so, ceremony <laughs> that's gonna happen? Uh, probably on Zoom. Like whatever. Not on Zoom. I think they're actually gonna try to postpone it until we're able to gather together again. Yeah. So.
0: Okay, great. Well, Michael, where okay. can people find you online? Especially uh, You can find now. me
1: on. On Twitter at, at The Living MJ, as, as in The Living Michael Jackson, at The Living MJ, or at li- Smart, at The Living MJ. Uh, my website is TheLivingMichaelJackson.com, and my Instagram is TheLivingMichaelJackson. So that's my brand.
0: Great. That is your brand. And um, we'll get, everyone, where's but, The Strange Loop coming next?
1: Um, right, right now, it's scheduled to. Uh, Go out of town to the Wooly Mammoth Theater Company in Washington, D.C. in the fall. Um, obviously, that's pending world right. events, but um, right now it's scheduled to be there in October, I believe, September, October. Uh, and, ho- and who knows beyond that, but that's right now where, where Strange Loop is. Right. But you can find that also. I'd love if people consider buying Strange Loop. It's available wherever you buy music or find music. Um, Buying it is better than streaming it, but streaming it is okay. Right. If that's what you got. But a Strange Loop uh, original cast album available on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, Amazon Music, although I think we're not dealing with Amazon right now. Oh, yeah, no. They're to us. Yeah, like all of that stuff. So wherever you find music, uh, cast album.
0: Great. Thank you so much. Michael Jackson, Pulitzer Prize winner. Um, and, uh, make sure you, uh, listen to, see, uh, Strange Loop, his great, his great musical.
1: Thank you so much, Katie. It was a pleasure to be on with you. Thank
0: you, you too. See you soon, I hope. Take care. Bye. Nice to meet
1: you. Nice to meet you as well. Thanks for your advice.
0: And again, Ava Farkas, welcome. Thank you for coming. Um, I know you're a big fan of Michael Jackson, both the living and the dead Michael Jackson. Um, Tell us what's happening in the world of housing and organizing. Uh, Cuomo has been getting a lot of love for some reason. People, I think, really like how decisive he is. I think people, I think the bar is so He can low. read
3: PowerPoints. What would you say? He can read, pa- he can read PowerPoints yeah, very He can read PowerPoints,
0: and he doesn't suggest yeah. injecting bleach. <laughs> so I think uh, people <laughs> think he's like a, quite a brilliant man. Uh, he just announced that maybe they're reimagining schools, maybe with the Gates Foundation, which is, of course, scary to me. But... You, as someone who is the head of this great uh, housing uh, and tenant rights organization, tell us what's happening on that front.
3: Sure. So, yeah, I mean, I think um, we have a very different like experience of Governor Cuomo. Um, You know, I was looking into like information about the budget um, and, you know, jogging my memory about recently, you know, the budget that was passed in the beginning of April. Um, as an example of like his failure of leadership so in the midst of the epidemic that was already you know happening in early April um, he passed an austerity budget um, cut money for Medicaid um, provided no additional uh, money for to deal with the homelessness crisis um, to um, help repair the crumbling public housing across the state um, and he's Always had this two percent like artificial spending cap, so he he has gotten the legislature to like agree that they will never increase the size of the budget more than two percent every year. And this is just like fiscal conservatism, right. you know. It's not like for it's not a <laughs> it's not a law, but the legislature acts as if this is a law that the gov that that is imposed on their budget process. Right. Um, and it's because he doesn't want to tax the wealthy of New York State. So instead of taxing. Uh, the rich. He is making uh, everyday New Yorkers and and the poor like pay for for the money that we don't have, um, and and is cutting programs. And then, what's more, he gave himself special powers to continue to cut essential services throughout the rest of the fiscal year if um, there's a shortfall in tax revenue. So there's definitely going to be a shortfall because of this crisis. So there's just gonna be more austerity and more cuts happening. So, you know, in the housing world where, um, you know, we are grappling with like the homelessness crisis, there's 93,000 homeless New Yorkers across the state. And without like permanent housing for them, like this health crisis is just gonna get exponentially worse. Like already we see shelters are a place where like people are being infected. And so, you know, he he has no solution to that. There is no additional money in the budget to deal with homelessness. Um, The state of public housing, uh, where there's mold, where people have to crowd into like one elevator because the other elevators are not working, are like further exacerbating this health crisis. So um yeah i mean i just think that cuomo is really getting a lot of credit that he doesn't deserve um when he is a fiscal conservative um when he's pushing austerity um and when he's not really coming up with real solutions to the, the crises that we face in housing and many other areas of life
0: it's yeah and of course it's always it's a myth that you can be a fiscal conservative and social liberal because for better or for worse the way that works is it hits people of color more than white people. I mean, that's just the way it works numerically speaking. And so even though I think it's inhumane no matter what, I think fiscal conservatism is inhumane no matter what, but it's not even like, you're not even being true to your principles of, of kind of like believing in a racial, uh, post-racial meritocracy, like it doesn't even exist. Um, when you have, when you're fiscally conservative, but we need to keep our eye on the Cuomo's out there too. And you don't just get away with being, you're not good just because you don't say things that are as offensive or stupid as Trump. Ava, what is the, uh, what are things that Cuomo could do? What are things that you guys are asking him to do um, that he's not doing? What can people do now, especially because organizing is so different um, in this post COVID world?
3: So we're asking Cuomo for three things. We're asking him to cancel rents for four months, uh, cancel rents and mortgages for four months or the duration of this crisis, whichever is longer. Uh, we're asking him to freeze rents. So we don't want anyone to see a rent increase when people have to go back to paying rent. Um and we want um, to reclaim homes, we want um, homeless New Yorkers to be immediately housed in hotel rooms, uh, we want money to go to reinvesting in public housing, um, and we also need like an ambitious new plan for social housing, new housing construction to house all the New Yorkers that need permanent housing that's affordable. Um, So we have like both um, policy and budgetary demands for the governor, um, but canceling rent is really, you know, I think one of the most immediate demands. Um, And we've been organizing in a lot of creative ways. So I was part of a car protest last uh, Friday on May 1st, uh, which was, uh, you know, May Day, but also when rent is due. For millions of New Yorkers across the state, and uh, we did a car protest outside of his daily press briefing. Um, delivered demands. We got some good coverage. There was also like a car caravan protest in the city. So there's a lot, you know, like people are hanging banners, people are putting signs in their windows that say "Cancel Rent." People are doing a lot of creative things, and I think, I think now also is like. A fertile time for organizing, especially um, around housing. I think because people who don't have essential jobs or have been laid off are at home now. Um, So I think people are thinking more about their living conditions and also are thinking about have the time to deal with things that they never had time to when they were working. So, like there was a group of tenants in in Harlem who are all going on rent strike. Um, because they can't pay. And, and one of the women said, you know, I used to have a very like time consuming job, and I can never really be involved in organizing or activism, because my job was so demanding. But now I have like, all this time I got laid off. <laughs> um, so I think a lot of people are now able to spend the time talking to their neighbors and like engaging in activism. So I think there's also like, now's a very ripe time also for organizing. And I think, especially on on issues of housing and right and rent.
0: Uh, it's funny you would think that uh, Andrew Cuomo would be more sensitive since his brother has been stricken with uh, COVID nineteen. Although he yeah, apparently, he's recovered, right? He's I think he's recovered. Yeah, he got very mad at a guy who who uh, suggested that he not gather like with his family in front of his house. I don't know if you saw that, but. He's always very angry, uh, Chris Cuomo. He's a great foil for Andrew. Uh-huh. He makes Andrew look very calm. <laughs> what can people do who want to get involved in your organization? So, what resources can... are you uh, offering? Conversely,
3: um, yeah, we're offering. So, we have a hotline that um, takes questions about tenants, right? So, like the question that Michael was asking me, that's like, perfect question if you have an issue like that you can call our hotline and you can talk to one of our volunteers who can walk you through like what your rights are and what your options are for how to advocate for yourself and your neighbors so we have a hotline uh the number to that is 212-979-0611 and we're open mondays wednesdays and friday afternoons And then we also have, um, tools and resources. If you want to organize with your neighbors and you are going on rent strike, we have a toolkit that we can send you. Um, you could also access it on our website, which is Metcouncilonhousing.org. And we have a petition. We're still collecting signatures, uh, to Cuomo calling on him to cancel rents. So you can also sign our petition. Um, yeah, there's a lot. There's um, a lot you can do.
0: And what about you on can the put na- a sign in
3: your window? We really want people to put signs in their windows that say "Cancel Rent."
0: Great. Um, and what about on a national level? Are there what are the presidential? Ele- I mean, what are the issues on a national level that you want uh, candidates to adopt?
3: Uh, so there's Ilhan Omar uh, just introduced a bill on this issue uh, about mortgages. So, there's that bill that would be really important that um, people on the federal level support. Um, you know, Sanders was like pushing um, some type of like national rent control policy. Um, so, we definitely would hope that Joe Biden had, uh, prohibition on any new funding or new construction of public housing federally. Um, And that's really important to repeal that. That's like been in effect for many decades and has basically resulted in like the deterioration of public housing and total neglect uh, because there's just a, you know, racist policy federally to like starve public housing nationally. So that's really important to like lift the ban on that funding. Um, Yeah.
0: And Bernie's back on the ballot, I got to say. Bernie's back on the ballot in New York State. The primary's back on? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You didn't know that? Oh, yeah.
3: Oh, no. Back on. Oh, wow. Thanks right. to
0: a decision made by Annalisa Torres, a judge who uh, used to live in my grandmother's building on 92nd Street. I'm just saying. Oh, wow. A little time Great. travel Katie Halpern show bump. Not to brag, oh. uh, I'm pretty sure, from those, those elevator rides on the Upper West Side, they add up um okay well we are out of time time flies when you're having fun but thank you so much for this update and um ava where can people find more information about you and met council on housing
3: metcouncilonhousing.org and we're also on instagram and twitter and facebook great
0: thanks again for listening to the katie helper show and please support our show on patreon that's patreon.com the katie helper show Again, patreon.com slash The Katie Helper Show. The Katie Helper Show is edited by Ted Reedy. Our theme song is by the band Cordova, and it's produced by Joshua Bregman.